Hey everybody, it's Tanya back again with season two of Recovering Church Girls, and I am so excited to introduce you to Dr. Carrie Rose. Now, there's so many things I would love to tell you about her. Um, you're going to learn enough in our conversation. One, the first thing you're going to see is just how incredibly kind and smart and gentle and caring and loving and fun she is, and um, I'm really excited to hear a little bit more of her own personal background and her stories and her views on life, how this all kind of came together. So something that you might want to know about her, she's the founder of Of Course. We might hear a little bit more about that, um, but that's, you know, we're not really talking about business stuff right now. We're talking about real life, how we think, how we feel, and what's informed those beliefs in ourselves. So with that said, we're going to dive deep. Hi, Carrie. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited about this. Uh, we first met at you know a, a mutual speaking event and having the opportunity to get to know you since then on the single parent summit just gave such this beautiful window into who you are and your relationship with your kids and your relationship with your blended family and LaShawn and just all the different layers and I've so appreciated that so I just want to say thank you again for being here. Oh man, thanks. I, I really appreciate the kind words. Honestly, uh, words of affirmation is my love language. So you can just keep throwing it oh, at me. Perfect. Like, hey, <laughs> me up. I love it. All right. Well, I will keep that in mind. That's good All to right. know. <laughs> the rest of the day will be stellar. See, there you go. All about the, uh, the gold stars in the sunshine, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, you mentioned, we were talking about this idea of the podcast conversation and you said, you know, I didn't grow up in church, but I, I did have an unusual upbringing. I'm curious, can you tell me a little bit more and how did that impact who you are now? Sure. I mean, I don't know exactly. I'm not exactly sure what I was thinking of by unusual upbringing. Honestly, <laughs> when you said it to me earlier, I'm like, well, yeah, well, I guess it was, but I don't know how mm. it's interesting. Cause we always think like we're different, Right. right. But I think if you really start to look at it, you can start finding exactly how same we are, you know, like where our sameness lies. And, you know, for me, I was raised by my mother up to the point where I was about 11 and a half, she remarried. So from four to 11 and a half is about when my parents, you know, were gone and it was just me and her. And she was, um, she was raised in the Catholic church. And she was, she went to Catholic school and, you know, my, my grandmother came over from Poland, Catholic, all, you know, 12 kids in her family. My mom was the youngest of them, but my mom had of course gotten divorced. And so in, I believe, and I'm not straight Catholic, so all the, <laughs> all the Catholic girls out there can correct me on this. Um, but I want to say her story was one of, if you get divorced and then you remarry, you are excommunicated. Mm -hmm. And so I was my mother did not, she baptized me, but she did not raise me in the church. And so I got all of the Catholic guilt without the actual <laughs> information to go with it. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I know how to pray with my rosary. I, I you know, I know some of the stories, um, but uh, you know, and, and as I said, all of the guilt, but not really any of the experience. So I didn't go through that. You know, my mom got her marriage annulled when I was in high school at one point, And I was like, okay, does this make me a bastard now? I was really struggling with, That's so interesting. That, you know, what that was and, you know, and how that related to my identity. And I think that's part of also being a teenager and being slightly dramatic, right? Like as an adult, <laughs> I'm like, whatever. My mom was trying to get back to her, back to her religion. And I actually went through, um, what's called, I want to say it's RCIA, Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. 
I went through it twice trying to get communion on two different <laughs> occasions in my adult life. I did the first time I was working at the Juilliard School in New York. And I was, while I was doing all of that and working in, um, actually, I did some classical music and some opera while I was there. And while I'm in this environment, I'm like, oh, let's try RCIA on top of it. Um, and so I just found that my schedule didn't work out. So I was like, okay, that's not going to do it. So then the next year I moved to Alabama and I tried again. And um, I remember being in a conversation with a nun <laughs> during one of the meetings. And my uncle had actually committed suicide. Hmm. And I was having a conversation about religious dogma or Catholic dogma with this nun. And I said, you know, I, I, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it because mm. what I've been told was that if he commits suicide, he's going to hell. But what I see is somebody that definitely needs God's love. So which is it? And she said, well, they don't go to hell. I was like, does that mean they don't go to hell anymore? Or does that mean they don't? <laughs> and so I right. was having like, I was having a lot of a really hard time. And, and maybe some people have been there and maybe they're like, Carrie, it's like this, you know, and you guys already have your answer because you grew up in the church and I didn't. So I don't really know. But I was just trying to wrap my head around it. And, and she was saying, well, things changed. And I was like, well, how does that change? Of right. all the things that could change, you mean that's now different? I, I felt like I was almost watching the dogma movie. <laughs> like if you change it then. Um, right. I can only imagine. Yeah. That's a bit of a mind bending conversation. Right. And so I was like, I don't think, I, I didn't think that that moment in time that the Catholic church was right for me. And I, I don't know that it's not still, I just haven't ever entered back into specific religion after that. I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? I don't know that it's important for me to have my first communion. I'm not sure that that's what I need. But like, as we were talking about before we got started, you know, I just wrote the serenity, pour, uh, serenity prayer on my whiteboard. Like that's like right there where I can see it every day. Faith is very much a strong part of who I am. Um, and I definitely have a, you know, of course, a belief in God and, and a belief in Jesus. And I also recognize there's a lot of other ways to believe in God. And so it doesn't come down to the way that I believe in him, you know? So I, I'm open to that, but I'm not, I, I can't be confined to mm. any kind of principles like that, where, it, where somebody could become a bastard or could go to hell. Like I just, <laughs> it's too much for me. <laughs> I, and I love that though, because I think what I'm, what I'm hearing in what you're saying is there's an authenticity that is going to go far beyond, you know, kind of the rote answers. And that's something that I, I think uh, comes up for us pretty often as a lot of us are working through this idea of the religious deconstruction and then mm -hmm just as importantly, our reconstruction, because right. if all you do is like deconstruct what you believe and you don't have anything else that it's not even so much about filling the void, it's about, okay, so if you're choosing to say this, I do not agree with, or this, I don't believe, then that begs the question, well, what do you believe? And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious to know what that journey was like for you as you're looking at the Catholic church saying, okay, there's things here. I can't really subscribe to that, but you mentioned you still believe in God. You still believe in Jesus. And you also recognize that there's so many different ways to express faith. What was that journey like for you? And how did you get to be where you are now? I think part of it was just my mother always saying, she always told me that there's one God and we just worship him differently. So I was brought up with complete respect for all faiths, you know, and, and to say that I know what God is, I don't even know that that's the name. 
right? And I don't know gender, <laughs> you know, like I love how Tony Robbins says like God in her infinite wisdom. Um, and it makes everybody laugh, but it's like, we don't really know that. And it's not really a gender specific entity. And some people call it God and some people call it other things. And I, I don't know what that is. And, you know, my physics teacher in high school, whenever there was a question that nobody could answer, he would say, die and ask God. And <laughs> it, Right. I mean, it was funny because it was physics and it was really, really hard um, but at the, for me, maybe not for others. But at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's part of it, too. Like, I think we're here not knowing for a reason. Mm. I always think it's interesting when I, I see I have many friends that are on that spiritual path. Right. And a lot of you probably or you could be, you know. And for me, I, I go back and forth between the spiritual and the, the human right? And so I try to recognize my soul as a spiritual being, but I am here on this plane to have a human existence, mm -hmm. you know? So there's so many things about my spiritual path that I'm not going to really understand until I'm at the end of it. I'm at the end of this human existence. And then I can kind of, okay, review the notes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go back over, you know, do what my, uh, oh gosh, my former mentor says like the rocking chair test. So you're sitting in your rocking chair at 85, looking back on your life. Are you happy with what you saw? Mm. you know, and I think at that point will be the really, the real test to it. I try to keep that in my mind as I'm going along so that I'm not at the end of it, you know, looking back, but kind of looking along the way. But I think my spiritual journey is really going to be, you know, looking back at the end. Right. So I have no idea, I, but <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't, but I have a very strong faith and a powerful entity that has never let me down. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's, uh, I found that that's where I differ from some, not everybody, but in conversations I've had with people, like I believe wholeheartedly that I have always been safe and that I've never been let down and that there is a power watching over me. Um, and I don't know what to define it as, but I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love this idea. It, it always struck me as interesting how we talk about faith and the idea in believing the unseen and that that's supposed to be, you know, this kind of the, the crux of the, the whole issue, right? We're, we're supposed to be in a place of believing and of having faith. And yet at the same time, there was such little tolerance I found in my experience and what I've heard from so many others of unanswered questions. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't really an environment in which we could ask a question that someone could answer. I don't know. I don't know was never an acceptable answer. And I think when it comes to matters of spirituality and especially of faith, you know, it's almost like, isn't that the idea? Isn't the, the concept of being able to say, I don't know the goal of faith? Because if you know, and of course I'm putting that in air quotes, if you know something, there's right. a difference between, you know, knowing it or believing it so strongly that you feel it in your body and you have that kind of physical visceral knowing. And there's mm -hmm. also the idea of, I've heard this so many times that I've internalized it as truth. Therefore, I am assuming that I know, like that's not all the same thing. And really that's not faith. Right. I don't know what to answer there. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I love it, I found that it's so freeing now to be able to say, I don't know, and be okay with it instead of trying to force uh, an answer or force a, um, a bravado that maybe I didn't actually feel. Well, I think that's separation from ego, right? Mm. Um, and I think that comes with growth and not everybody's at that point, you know? Um, and it's taken me a long time to get to that. 
you know, I, I, I have a, a doctorate in education, so I definitely have a habit of being a know-it-all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so, I might add. <laughs> but, you know, I will, but it's, you know, I've, I've found that it's easier when I don't know. Mm. It, it is easier on myself to just say, I don't know, and look for the answer, you know, and, and to realize that there are things that I specialize in, like I specialize in education. So those that I know a ton about, right? Um, but if you wanted me to change the oil in my car, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a ton that I don't know, <laughs> you know, like I can barely set up the television by myself. So there's, a, there's a lot of things that I don't know. And, and when it comes to faith, I think it's, I think it's a better not knowing, you know, almost mm. it's like, how, why do we have to know everything? Can't we just uncover the magic? You know, can't we just like be curious and, and, and watch for the miracles? Like, do we have to predict it all the time? Right. I, I love that idea because there's a playfulness in that of, you know, having this positive expectation as opposed to a negative expectation, assuming that something bad is going to happen or that I'm unsafe or, you know, any of these other things that I think often become the loop that's playing in our mind. And if, if we're not paying attention to that, if we're not aware of the thoughts that, you know, continue to be a pattern. So you mentioned this idea of ego. Mm -hmm. At what point in your life and in your growth uh, process, whether that's, you know, mental or spiritual or, you know, kind of this crossing between, when did ego become something that you were aware of? And how did you start to, to kind of identify when it was at play and how to direct it? Sure. And, and, and I don't want to like demonize ego either. I mean, I think to some degree we might need it. Right. Um, but I think really after going to, I, I hate to be cliche, but after going to Tony Robbins, unleash the power within, I realized how much of my life was spent in a need for certainty and a need for significance. Mm. And that wasn't, he describes like six of the, you know, basic human needs. And those were the two that most people tend to play in. And, you know, he kind of redirects you to, to realize like, what, what do you want? Like what, which ones do you, would you rather, which ones would you feel better in, you know? Um, and mine at that point, then I looked at it. I'm like, well, I really would rather play in, in growth and love and connection. Um, that's more accurate to who I am at my core, but I was doing all these other things. And I was like, well, why was I doing that? And then a couple months, really literally two months after I went to this event, I got, um, I quit my job and got divorced. Hmm. So at the same, same time. Um, <laughs> so at that point, what I gave myself was a really beautiful gift. Um, I found myself in a position where I had time hmm. to, to dance around the living room, not kidding to have some personal space, which I hadn't had in 11 and a half years, to sit on the beach and just let my mind wander, to connect with new people that had better ideas than I had um, and different perspectives than I had had, and to really kind of dive into uh, reading materials that I wouldn't have necessarily taken the time to. Because you have to imagine before the Tony Robbins event, like four months prior is when I graduated with my doctorate. So three years going back, I was working full time, raising two kids, driving an hour and a half each way to get to class two to three nights a week oh and writing a dissertation. So, I mean, I had done, like, if you want to talk ego, I had done everything on that ego path. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I was, I was totally burnt out as a result of it. I mean, I had a doctorate and a failed marriage, you know, um, <laughs> I was totally burnt out. 
as a result of doing all of those things. And when I let it all just fall away and gave myself grace, um, I think that's when I started making different connections um, and really developing into the person I am now. If you met me uh, five years ago, I promise you wouldn't know me. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I'm loving this idea of giving yourself grace because mm-hmm. I think that's something that becomes a learned skill and growing up in the church and, and growing up even, you know, kind of Main Street USA, we're not taught how to give ourselves grace. We're taught how to strive. We're taught mm-hmm. how to go for the gold stars. We're taught how to be the martyr that is so highly elevated because we've taken care of everyone else and we've got nothing left for ourselves to have any sort of space or energy for this self-evaluation the internal introspective, like dive deep, figure out who you are and then who you want to be. What was that like for you? I mean, cause you, you went pretty quickly. It's like to go from that entire existence <laughs> then within two months afterwards saying, okay, yeah. everything that was true about my life is no longer here. What did that look like for you? What was that recovery process like? Oh, it was beautiful. I loved it. Honestly, I'm so grateful for having had that time to be able to do it. And I, I think it's interesting too, like what you're saying that, you know, we don't often give ourselves grace. It's like, well, isn't that what we go to the church for is to ask for that grace. And wouldn't it be great if we could just give it to ourselves? Mm. Like you can just give it to yourself. There's nothing right. stopping you from saying, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. Whatever I'm going through is okay. Whatever I've been through is okay. None of it is really all that important. You know, it doesn't matter right this second, right? Um, or maybe it does, but not like, it is, you know, I, I used to say to my kids when they came to me with a problem, like, okay, are you bleeding or on fire? You know, <laughs> the, the answer to the question is no, then, you know, really, is it, is it all that encompassing, you mm-hmm. know, or, or can you offer yourself grace in this moment? And more than likely you can. Um, and for me to be able to give myself that gift. I think that was one of, there are two years of my life that I love more than any other. And one was that, and the other one was the year I stayed home with my son Hmm. and just allowing myself to be, you know, not to have to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, they they say we're human beings, but we act like human doings, Mm -hmm. you know? And I didn't have to do anything during that time. I just had to be, you know, when I was with my son, I had to be present with him, you know? And of course, I mean, yeah, I had to take care of him, but I loved doing that. So it wasn't a, (laughs) wasn't anything I had to, I I felt like I had to do, you know? Yeah. And I'm hearing also this trend or this kind of thought process of of mindfulness and of an intention of being here now Mm -hmm. and that kind of presence to, to be all in who we are right now in this moment. And it's that kind of awareness, I think, that helps create the space, not only to give ourselves the grace, but to always, or I should say also recognize that this is just this moment right here, right now. And in this moment right here, right now, I'm safe. Yeah. Things didn't go the way I wanted to, or, you know, something may have just gone off the rails but there's still this moment right here, right now, I'm safe. And I have a new moment coming up that I can make a different choice. Absolutely. I mean, I promise, like, if you wake up tomorrow, something's going to go wrong, right? I mean, something major went right because you're still on the right side of the dirt, but probably something's going to go wrong tomorrow and the next day and the day after that too. Um, (laughs) And it may be a little wrong, like maybe your shoe came untied and that's wrong. You know, you can assign the wrongness wherever you want to. (laughs) Or you could just be fine. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I just recognize that it really is a choice that we can make to be peaceful, to be happy, to be joyful, that the circumstances don't indicate the emotions. Right. Yeah. It's a lot more fun to be joyful. I like that you use that word. <laughs> it's That one's been a, a harder process, I think for me, kind of in the long term, like I could always find the silver lining. You know, I'm probably one of the most optimistic people that you'll meet because I believe wholeheartedly with every fiber of my being that there is something positive that can come out of the worst of situations. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, that was something I had to learn from a lot of really bad situations. <laughs> Aren't you glad you had those lessons? Yeah, it's one way to look, look at it. And, you know, I, yeah. I used to think I look at people that do the whole, you know, write your gratitude list every day and there's always something to be grateful for. And there was a piece of me that, that felt so separated from that philosophy of kind of like, okay, well, that's nice for you to say, you know, you've got all of these things figured out or, oh, yeah. you know, we tend to elevate people that come from a place of promoting gratitude as a way of life, assuming that they only have things for which to be grateful. And in reality, it's like, no, they're just choosing what to focus on. Yeah. During that time, just to go back to it, when I was talking about, you know, right after I quit my job and got divorced, I felt kind of like what you were talking about. Like, I was like, okay, now what do I do? And all these people are happy and I don't know how to get there. Right. And (laughs) one of my friends actually that I met in the, um, in the Tony Robbins crew community, he had suggested heart breathing, which is something that Tony brings up at UPW. And so I tried it and he's like, why don't you just try it and just find five things to be grateful for. And so what heart breathing is, is before you get out of bed, you put your hands on your heart and you can do it after you get out of bed, but It's just how I do it. You put your hands on your heart and each time you breathe in, you breathe in something you're grateful for. Okay. And so I, I put it into a practice of just doing five things. Cause I was like, you know, at at first I felt like everything was falling apart. Mm. Right. I was just like, wow, I really went and just blew up my life. Um, (laughs) so this is, I'm glad you brought this up or or the gratitude piece because it would have just seemed like, oh, and I figured everything out. No, um, (laughs) it was a process. So each morning I would breathe in five things that I was grateful for. And it would just start with like a breath in. I'm grateful for the ocean. I'm grateful for the sand beneath my toes. I'm grateful for the breeze and grateful for the sunshine. Like it was the simplest things just so I could like, oh yeah, I really do actually love those things. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you think about it, you can probably find something that you really, really actually do love. Like I love the smell of gardenias or jasmine or orange blossoms, right? Like, I mean, those things are like, I really actually love that. And so when you breathe it in, you can feel that gratitude. And, and so I was like, okay, those five things weren't enough because it, it would get me to the point of I'm starting the practice, mm-hmm. but it didn't get me to the point of switching my vibration or changing my frequency. So what happens is it's really interesting when you keep doing it. If you, if you keep doing the heart breathing activity and what I mean by keep doing is not just five things each day, but go until you run out of things to say, Mm. right? So it started off with five things and it ended up for me being 30 minutes and I had to set a timer to pull myself out and get on with my day. (laughs) So like, so I started doing it like, okay, I would just keep going on. And as I went on and as I kept finding things that I was grateful about, like 
I was grateful for my son's smile. I was grateful for the positive energy that he brought into the room. I was grateful for my daughter's singing voice. I was grateful for my, for my daughter's love of glitter. Like, I mean, I got so granular so that I could find things because if I just said I'm grateful for my son, done. You know what I mean? It's really easy to, to do a to-do to list if you're not granular like that, right? So I eventually would feel my frequency shift. And it only came in the moment that I was actually grateful. Mm. So not just listing things, right? but actually being grateful for those things. And when it switched, I would keep going for a little bit, but then I would change it to more of an, ex uh, more of an exercise and manifestation and bringing into my life the things that I wanted to see that weren't yet there. Mm. So grateful for an advance. Um, I used to call my my now husband, my unicorn at the time, I'm grateful for my <laughs> unicorn. And he hadn't, he hadn't gotten there yet, but I knew exactly what I wanted in my unicorn. So when I would breathe it in, I was like, oh, I'm grateful for this guy that hasn't shown up in my life yet, but I know what he's going to be like, mm -hmm. you know, but I was grateful as he was already there. So right. it's just like giving myself that, that switched everything in my life right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I love being able to go granular, not only in the examples that you're giving, but also breaking down this practice. Because I think people will very quickly and easily say things like, oh, my gratitude practice, but they don't ever take the time to explain what that actually means and explain the transformation that we tend to go through. I can't think of a single person I know that is anchored in gratitude that hasn't had some sort of big, huge transformation like this, where literally something has happened that has imploded everything that we thought we knew. And <laughs> then we've been able to ground down into that gratitude and then create a life of our choosing because we're practicing these same methodologies and philosophies. And you said something that was really interesting. I'd love to dive in a little deeper on as well. The idea of our frequency and of our vibration for anyone who might not be familiar with what those words are indicating and, and kind of how that feels, how that shows up in our bodies. Can you take us a little deeper into what that was like for you? Sure. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it is a level of awareness. Um, so to, to break down frequency and vibration as simple as I can, just think about the way that you feel at the end of a very long commute at the end of your day, right? I mean, you're, you're sitting in traffic, you're hunched over, you're tired, you realize you're not done yet, you still have to go home and make dinner, the kids need help with their homework, I just want to sit down and watch Grey's Anatomy, right? <laughs> so like that feels different than it's Christmas morning, oh my God, I can't wait until my child opens their first present. Eek, you know, and did I, did I stack the presents under the tree in such a way that they're not going to get the one thing that goes with the other thing? Cause I don't want them to open. <laughs> I don't want them to open this before they open that, because if they do, then they'll know what the other one is. And I don't want them to know that, you know, like kind of like I, I think like, or, you know, I don't want them to open the record before they open the record player, but right. <laughs> um, my, my husband got a record player two years ago, so it's not that old. But anyway, so there's, there's an excitement and there's a joy involved in that, right? Or like, you know, you're walking into Disney World and you're going down Main Street. That feels different than I just got into an, a car crash. I don't know why things keep going back to cars. I just don't like driving. But um, so the, the vibration and the frequency feels different depending on what situation you're in if you allow the situation to dictate your, your vibration and your frequency. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the the action that you're trying to take is to not let anything dictate your anything. So like, 
when you say the word responsibility, like more often than not, you think that you have to be responsible and do the things that you're supposed to do because that's responsible. And I would challenge you to think that responsibility is your ability to respond. Right, And so it's your ability to decide how you're going to respond given whatever the situation is and you're absolutely in control of it. So instead of sitting in traffic going, you know, be, be grateful that you have a car that's going to get you to and from, because if you didn't, that would be a lot more difficult than you're in the situation you're in. Mm -hmm. Maybe turn on an audio book that lifts up your spirits or I don't know. Sometimes I listen to the Pointer Sisters, you know, like something that's a little more exciting or a beat, you know, and, and think about how lucky you are that you're going home to your family and how fortunate you are that when you get there, there's food to prepare, you know, like, Absolutely. I mean, I know it, it seems, it seems like those things are obvious, right? And we just start taking these things for granted, but so many people don't have home and don't have meals, you know, and don't have the ability to lift themselves up mm-hmm. or have fun, you know? So it's just, it's a matter of, It's a matter of tuning yourself. You know, I was listening to Abraham Hicks the other day and one of the things that they mentioned in in one of the talks was like, you know, start your day meditating and then go until you go as far as you can get with it. And then, you know, at some point you may not feel as good anymore, but then, you know, start your day again the next day and do it again. But like, you know, it's like there are going to be moments where you have to give yourself grace in that maybe you don't feel good anymore. Like maybe you start off with your, if you do the heart breathing in the morning, if you take my recommendation on that, maybe you start off with it and like maybe you only get till noon before you kind of feel crappy, but that's okay. But try it again the next day and see how far you get and start like, and, and start not judging your ability to respond, but start monitoring how, how you're using your ability to respond. Yeah, you know? I love that. Yeah. I love that idea. And I love even the pivot change on the recognizing the power of responsibility. And again, Mm -hmm. that ability to respond as opposed to something heavy, that's a big burden that like weighs down your shoulders. This is something I have to do. No, this is an opportunity to choose how I want this all to play out. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the Abraham Hicks. I am in this moment where I'm listening to a specific, uh, a specific talk every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of my my morning routine, and it's this idea that everything is always working out for me. Yeah. But it doesn't matter what's actually happening; it's still in my highest interest. And mm-hmm. just allowing kind of that freedom to say, "Yeah, it might be that this was not the way I had planned." You know, the flat tire is not what I had planned. Or recently, literally, the transmission dying on my car on the way home from a two oh, wow. trip. Yeah, uh, coming home from the airport. Um, you know, that was not what I wanted to experience. It was not the way I wanted to end this adventure with my kids. And yet I'm so grateful for the circumstances in which it happened because we were safe. We were able to, you know, get get where we needed to go quickly, safely, easily, et cetera, and so forth. So there was still something to be grateful for in that. And we had the ability to choose. Mm -hmm. And I, I, as much as I don't want to wish that experience on my kids, I'm glad that they were with me in that because it kept me on my toes more right. so than had I been alone. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but it also gave them a chance to make their own choices, you know, mm-hmm. as far as how they, how they showed up in this moment as well. Um, so yeah, I think I was a better person because they were with me and um, hopeful that they were able to see, you know, a much wider range of choices than just, oh, wow, this really sucks. because you know it did and other things too and I think that contrast you know being able to hold space for the and yes this this sucks and 
everything is always working out for me. And right. there's still a potential for this to change. There's still that possibility. There's still that miracle around the corner that we can look for without needing to micromanage, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, to know, again, air quotes, how mm -hmm. everything is going to play out or how it was supposed to play out. And that's why we're disappointed in the first place. Well, absolutely. I mean, I love how you're pointing out, like, it's not always a good thing that you have to deal with, but you're going to, you know, if you, if you have the right perspective on it and I say, right, that's a judgment, but you know, <laughs> if you have a positive perspective on it, you're going to feel better about the situation. Like even when you sit down to pay bills, congratulate yourself on having the money in your bank account to pay them. Mm, you yeah. did that. You know, and if you don't have the money in your bank account to pay it, then you can congratulate yourself on figuring out that you need to do something else in order to make sure. You yeah, know, sometimes the awareness is what we get to yeah. be grateful for because right. without the awareness, we can't have any sort of change anyway. You know, right. it's almost like you were saying earlier, the idea that we, we tend to take these things for granted that we can be grateful for and we just assume that they're always going to be there. But when we have that shift in awareness that recognizes wow, I've got to change something because my current situation doesn't match what it is that I actually want. Mm -hmm. That's something to be grateful for. Because if we didn't know, <laughs> then nothing's ever going to change. Right. And what's so fun to me is that I don't consider you a woo-woo person. Like I feel like you're... <laughs> yeah, right. That, but that's, so to hear you talk about, you know, frequency and vibration and, and all these kinds of things, I just, I love, it feels much more universal and kind of this idea very approachable because you're not coming in here talking about crystals and chakras and Reiki and you know these things that some people might have like on the far end of the spectrum right and you know you have a master's in education for crying out loud and you were still talking woman, about doctorate. oh doctorate I'm so sorry excuse me oh my goodness doctor here I, I know better okay it's going back to what you're saying earlier is that your master's program during your divorce yeah. process I'm yeah sorry. yeah yeah that was in theater it's all good it's okay oh, that's too whoops no man it's good what but so but yeah no just that idea of you know that it's it's applicable it's not yeah. something that needs to be out of reach or woo woo or you know whatever the case might be right so no, I appreciate I, that. Oh, well, my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, honestly, I, I was talking to my husband uh, a couple of days ago because he made, or maybe it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. He made a post in regards to race relations is really, is really the conversation that he was having. But he said, you know, what do you, what do you think about interracial relationships? And which is kind of like, you know, what are you asking them to definitely say, yeah, you're for it because we're, we're in one. Right. So if, if anyone said, no, I don't like it, then you'd be like, why? I'm like, what do you, you know, but he had like 280 <laughs> something comments on his post. Um, and so it did bring up a lot of conversations, but for me, I always, I look at the people that are in the middle of the conversation mm. because the people that are in the middle of the conversation can start having that dialogue that spreads out. But when you have people that are on the ends of the conversation, right. Um, and the far, the, the farther reaches, then there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing approachable about it. Mm. Right. There, there's, there, we're not in a place to create a dialogue, you know? Um, so I, I think that's important with all things right? And faith, one of them too. Like if you have somebody come up to you that tells you, you know, this is what your faith should be. What does that say to you right away? Get out of here. What are you doing <laughs> in my face with your faith? You know, like, right. you know, so I don't, again, I don't have it that it has to be anyway. And I've had, I've had Reiki. Uh, I don't really have crystals. I mean, I do, I have an amethyst ring, but, and I'm not sure what my chakras are and, or if they're aligned, I'm just hoping they're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
you know, I, I think for, you know, I'm not big at a have tos or should haves. So I don't carry them for myself. And I, I hope that others don't carry them for themselves because they're really heavy. Um, they are. I and I, I love that you say that because I think that for a lot of us that grew up in the church or really heavily influenced, especially in the evangelical church, mm-hmm. there were so many shoulds oh, that yeah. you know, came along. And you mentioned the Catholic guilt earlier. Um, you know, I think there's, there's so much guilt and restriction and expectations within organized religion that those are the types of things that we have to be very intentional about dismantling. Mm-hmm. And recognizing where they've influenced how we think and how we show up in the world. Yeah, I really, I do everything by the golden, golden rule or my version of it, which I've heard people call the platinum rule. So maybe it's that. But I, <laughs> I think of things in terms of like, not like treat others how you want to be treated, like don't do the bad things to them, right? Because like that's basic skills. I, <laughs> I think about things in terms of, you know, treat others how they'd want to be treated. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do to make somebody feel good? Yeah. Whoever the person is that's in front of you, what, what are you going to do for them? You know, and maybe you're not always thinking that way, or maybe you don't always have the possibility to do that, you know, like if you're running or whatever, but you know, if you come back to that, to me, that's, that's how I enact my, or that's how I act out my religion. Mm, I love that. You know, but everything else like rules, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I try to follow basic safety rules, you know, and basic courtesy, but as far as like have tos and shoulds, it's really not a part of my MO. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love that. And especially the idea of it blends together this love and, you know, which I'm told is the highest vibrational frequency available is when we are at love and mm-hmm. we're able to kind of emanate that from who we are. I've had this concept lately that I've uh, just kind of, uh, I don't know if it's held on to me or if I've held on to it, but the idea of going through life as liquid love, how can I show up mm-hmm. in this moment as love? And you mentioned earlier that words of affirmation are your love language. Mm-hmm. So being able to recognize, you know, and I'm literally, I'm going, okay, that's something I'm going to store in the back of my mind. Uh-huh. It's not with this idea of, you know, oh, I'm going to manipulate the situation and I'm going to butter <laughs> Dr. Carrie up so that she thinks that mm-hmm. I really love her. No, that's not the point. It's how can <laughs> I, I feel that? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, how can I show up for you? in our Mm -hmm. friendship, knowing Mm -hmm. that that's something that's important to you. And it's, it brings a presence to who you're with in that moment in front of you right now. It's not about the to-do list. It's not about, you know, those things that we have to go out and strive for and accomplish. It's being here now and doing life together. I feel like that's where our faith really comes to play. That's where the community, the growth for all of us, both individually and corporately, for me, that's really what it's more about. And it's just, it's been so fascinating to watch how all the different things kind of come back to this concept of love and be here now and, you know, being with each other and not intentionally keeping at arm's length or building up the walls or what have you. Right. Well, that's the fallback, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's kind of because our minds were designed for human safety, right? Like if you look at your mind, it, your mind is there to keep you you know, keep you alive, <laughs> right. to make sure you find shelter and eat food and all those things that, you know, you're kind of safe, you know, for the most part, you are, you're safe. Nothing's going to happen to you, mm-hmm. you know? So we don't, we don't need our minds doing the mind thing anymore. We don't need that <laughs> all the time to make sure that we're safe. 
You know, I can't tell you how many times I check to make sure the iron's unplugged and the door's locked. It's just ridiculous. And it's because that's where my monkey brain goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> is back into that safety. And it's like, you know, if you really just focus back in, I love what you're saying about liquid love, focus back into that. That feels so much better, doesn't it? Than mm-hmm. is the iron unplugged. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, as you say that, I, I we can't necessarily unplug that aspect of our mind the way that we can unplug the iron. Right. But at the same time, again, awareness. We can bring mm-hmm. an awareness to it. We can choose to, you know, say like, okay, I've checked on the iron. I know I've unplugged it. I know it's okay. I don't have to go through this process every five oh. minutes for the next hour. Right. <laughs> like just do it once and then, you know, you're good. <laughs> I usually just ask my husband and then he's like, yes, yes. Yes, you did. it's done. <laughs> it's almost gotten to the point now where we, if we leave the house, I'm like, did I? And he's like, Carrie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love it. Like, yes, yes, yes you did. Me. Everything is good. All the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm so fire. Like, I, well, we had, we had a house fire. I was a year and a half though. I wasn't like, and I wasn't even there when it happened, but my house burned down, like not right before my parents got divorced, probably another year and a half too. But, um, I, I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, is that why they got divorced? You know what I mean? So like fires are not just scary for me, but like, you know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's another side to it. Like everything was burned. My dad was running inside and out grabbing stuff and he's got like a scar in his hand or his skin was wow. and, and everything. And I've had like two small house fires since my adult life. So like one where a lamp caught on fire and another one where the fan in the bathroom caught on fire. Oh my goodness. And, and so, yeah. So I'm like, really like, was it toaster unplugged? Like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I'm like, I really need to not worry about fire. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it makes an awful lot of sense, especially, you know, in our logical brain that wants to tie all these things together. Oh, yeah. It makes sense that that is a, you know, default yeah thing for you of all the things to be worried about <laughs> <laughs> you know I might as well worry about getting hit by a bus too let's add that to the list you know uh yeah no <laughs> well and that's what's so fun is because you know that's where we get to put all of these things into practice that we've been talking about you know it's mm-hmm. recognizing what is the mind saying uh mm-hmm. and you and I were talking earlier about um a book that that we're or you've already read like multiple times and I'm still working on it. Um, Untethered Soul, correct? Yes. I mm-hmm. keep wanting to say Untethered Mind because so much of it is about the mind. Untethered right. Soul by uh, Michael Singer and the idea of recognizing that we're not the voice in our head. And that was mm-hmm. a big aha for me. But so here we are talking about, you know, unplugging the toaster and all these <laughs> pieces. And, and that's just a great opportunity to be able to say, nope, this is where I can recognize I'm not the same voice. No, not that voice. That I love it. A lot of things. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, Carrie, this has been such a fun conversation. I knew it would be. I was so Yay. looking forward to it. Thank you so much for being here for this. My pleasure. This has been fun. Let's do it again. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> That right. sounds wonderful to me. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, and thank you, by the way. I haven't said this officially. Thank you for your patience during season one as we wrestled through some audio issues that I was unaware of. So here we're talking about awareness. Yeah, I wasn't so aware. Now that I am, we fixed it. So thank you for sticking through um, really great conversations, but really crappy audio. So sorry about that. And now we're on the mend and carrying on with season two. Thanks again, Dr. Carrie. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.